My Legal Club provides full legal support when you require it, enjoy savings and rewards all year round when you don't. You do not need to be a member of My Legal Club to benefit from free legal advice from our highly recommended specialist solicitors. When you or a loved one requires legal advice and a solicitor, we can help you in every area of law. We also offer a unique alternative. Sign up to our free trial and you will receive up to 25% off legal fees, 15% off legal documents, £20 restaurant vouchers for leading UK restaurants, savings and rewards with leading UK brands, a free online will, free dash cam and much, much more. As an example of how we help our members, they have saved on average over £500 plus by using My Legal Club for personal injury claims compared to many solicitors who deduct 25% of your compensation. If you or a loved one needs legal support, contact us at mylegalclub.co.uk for free consultations and no obligation quotes with highly recommended solicitors. Sign up to our free trial to receive all the free discounts and our membership benefits. Welcome to the MLC show in association with My Legal Club. I am your host, Sean Rogers, and I am delighted again to be joined by Chris Budd. Chris is the founder of the Eternal Business Consultancy, helping employees and owners understand and implement the benefits of the Employee Ownership Trust. Today, we're going to talk about how employees and business owners can take their businesses and future working life to the next level via employee ownership. Um, Chris, in the years before you started considering uh, employee ownership, what, what were you doing? What, how, what, what was the business doing? Um, and what were your views on the future? So I, I uh, founded a financial planning consultancy called Ovation Finance. I started it in 1998, incorporated it in 2000. So I kind of think of it in 2018 was 20 years. And um, I had about seven years previously, uh, I had a bit of a minor mental health issue. Uh, I'm not going to big it up, uh, but it did enough to make me realize I wanted to get out. But it also made me realize that owning a business, you're actually trapped. Um, a lot of friends would often say to me, you're so lucky running your own business. You have so much flexibility. It's the other way around. If you own the business, you can't re uh, resign. You can't go and just get another job. You're stuck. So I realized I was going to have to work my way out of my own business. And so I spent five or six years trying to make myself the least important person in my business, which is counterintuitive for most business owners, I would suggest. But if you're the most important person, you can't leave. Right. So um, I worked on making myself the least important person and uh, eventually I managed to achieve it. Um, so you, but it, would it be fair to say that would it be fair to say that you were because this is where I think a lot of people are, that you were not only the owner, but you were also the business operator. So there's some people I know and quite admire in a way in that they've their recruitment and selection of partners has been so fantastic that they've been able to juggle multiple um, ownerships and multiple business interests. And they've, they've hit the balance quite well. I know a lot of others who haven't succeeded on that. I know others that are in the business working on it every day. What, where would you have fallen into? Yeah, well, it was all about me, certainly for the first 10, 12 years. It was, it was you know, a lot of the clients saw me, I, I defined it. And actually getting out of that and, and um, leaving the good stuff behind, but you letting go of control is really, really hard. Um, I, I work now a lot with owners and uh, I have to try and gently explain to them that they are the problem. Uh, they think that they're the most important part of the business, which, of course, they are. And that's the problem. 
Um, yeah. You can't get out if you're in that situation. I did some work for one uh, really nice couple of guys uh, running a six million turnover business, and they are um, they have no board and they have no real leadership team, so they're doing everything and they're knackered. And I went in and talked to the employees. I did a, I did a, a, a survey for them, a report for them on what the employees thought of the business and what they wanted from the future of the business. And my conclusion to them basically was they absolutely love you. All of the employees are here because of you too. They are inspired by you. They think you're fantastic. They really don't want you to go anywhere. And that's your problem. In, in one. And then how perfect perfect time are you still in the process of working with them or what did you do then to act on that so uh we are in the pro are still working with them yes um they've actually uh we haven't actually signed it because of the, the coronavirus stuff has put everything on hold but um the plan is that they're going to appoint me as a non-exec director to then help their business go through the process over the next 18 months or so before a sale to employee ownership trust um, but probably getting slightly ahead of ourselves in, in, in the uh, employee ownership thing. But um, yeah, we also have an online program that they can go through on their own as well. But on this occasion, they're actually uh, engaging me a lot more proactively. What in your own business, Chris, uh, at Ovation, why did you start considering options for the future? You know, succession planning. What was it? What was it that made you think of that? So I'm going to I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be a bit controversial here, if I may, Sean, because um as far as I was concerned, when I looked at options for how to uh, exit my business, I wanted to get a fair value, market value, obviously. Um, like most business owners, uh, I had sacrificed a lot to get where I was and I need to get the value out of the business. But I didn't want to just see it disappear. I wanted to see it carry on as a kind of a legacy because I have quite a big ego and I want to see my business carry on as a legacy. I also wanted to look after the employees and I wanted to have the clients carry on getting the level of service. So when I looked around at options, there was nothing really that gave me all of those things. And in fact, if you looked at most trade sales, they're pretty grubby. Um, I was absolutely dreading, uh, I'm sorry to use strong language, but the charlatans and shysters that I saw buying and selling a lot of the businesses. Um, so there's this thing. I just want to just, just, just tell everybody about one, one trick. Uh, of the corporate finance world and the burgers and acquisitions world, which is called the fish and chip deal. You ever heard of that? I've not heard the title fish and chip, but okay. I think I know where you're going. Okay, so the fish and chip deal is where you throw out a nice big valuation. You tell somebody their business is worth whatever it might be. Uh, they get hooked in. They say, yeah, that's that's enough. I'm happy with that. And then you chip away at it through due diligence or maybe even through more nefarious means. Um, I wrote an article in the, I'm quite well known in the financial advice world, and I wrote an article called Why Your Business Is Not Worth What You Think It's Worth, all about the fish and chip deal and about the games that are played by some of these people. Yeah. Um, and I got three responses from, from readers from that article. Number one was a guy who got all that he had been promised. So it does happen, right? Yeah. I'm not saying they're all shysters and charlatans, but it does happen. The second guy um, was promised an amount, I think, at 1.2 million, and he ended up getting about 800,000 of that because, um, and after a while, he found that the uh, the uh, schedules just stopped coming each month, and he didn't, he couldn't, they wouldn't answer his calls. Anyway, uh, that just came because not all clients went across because they didn't give the same level of service as he was giving, and so forth. It's out of your control. The third guy 
was uh, had a deal for seven hundred thousand. He got three hundred, and they just stopped paying him. And when he phoned them up and said, "Where's the payments?" They said, "We're not going to pay you anymore. Sue us if you like. We've got really expensive lawyers. We know you can't afford expensive lawyers because you haven't got any money because we haven't given it to you. So what are you going to do?" Now, that's three different stories. One of them was a really good story. The problem is, when I sell my business, I don't know which one I'm going to get. So when I looked around at my options, um, that really wasn't, I was just absolutely dreading that day coming. Uh, I then went one day um, at the recommendation of a solicitor who was getting frustrated with me because he couldn't find um, uh, an exit route that gave me everything I wanted. Uh, and he suggested I go to a meeting of the Employee Ownership Association, um, which I did, and it absolutely changed my life. I met people who had sold their businesses to an EOT, Employee Ownership Trust. I met employees of companies who are employed, and I just went, that is me. That's what I want for my exit. It was a fantastic. Magnificent. Yeah, I mean, in my world, most of the stories that in, in the background that I've come from has basically been people, the, the fish and chip um, version, basically, that they throw a nice, sexy valuation out. Um, but really, their goal is is to get you into a place where you feel like you can't back out and then try and get a pence in the pound deal. And more often than not, regardless of, of the condition of the business, liquidate it. Um, and you know what? I think the people who think they're getting it, it again, it, it probably does work for some. But I've seen so many people think they've done brilliant by getting it pence in the pound and then regret it as well. Because like you say, uh, people do business with people and it's over taking the limited company number. And, and uh, uh, you know a portion of the book of work, but after that, it doesn't always work out how it should. So I'm really, I'm really interested actually in when you were doing the conversion ovation uh, to an employee ownership trust. Like, what lessons did you learn from that that would be of interest to people? Uh, I learned quite a few lessons, <laughs> and the fact uh, I now, you know, when I help other people to do the same thing, uh, for my starting point is don't do several of the things that I did. So. The first thing, um, and actually I did do this bit, but um, the first thing that I say to any owner who's interested in an exit is I ask the question, how much do you need to sell your business for? And they often say, well, it's worth, I don't know, half a million, three million, whatever. And I say, yeah, but I didn't ask what it's worth. I said, what do you need to sell? And um, because if it's worth uh, three million, but you only need one million, then happy days, right? You've got options. But if it's worth 200,000 and you need 500,000, then you can't sell it yet. So how much you need is that's just good quality financial planning. Go to your financial advisor and say, I need cash flow forecasting to work out how much I need to sell my business for. If your financial advisor says we don't do cash flow forecasting, get a different financial advisor. Seriously, cash flow forecasting is the basics these days. So that will help you answer that question. I did do that myself. I actually engaged another financial planner to do it for me. But the mistake I made was I then did it all far too quickly. I thought that because I'd spent six, seven years making myself the least important person in the business, that everybody was ready for me to just step away. But um, founders, particularly and owners in general, don't realize the shadow that they cast over their own business. And I say shadow, it's the influence. It's a positive shadow very often. But um, when you step away, your shadow stays there, you know? That's not a very yeah. good analogy, but let, let me have that one. Um, so uh, I advise owners now, it takes 18 months to two years minimum, probably a year to 18 months before you even tell your employees of your plan. Um, there's a whole process to work through. 
And then almost every single owner says, listens to me talking about the employee voice and the importance of purpose and defining purpose and having your uh, employee purpose and personal individual purpose to be the same as the company and having collaborative decision making, all these things that we work on. And they say, oh, yeah, well, you see, we're actually probably different to most people um, because uh, our business is already like that and our employees are already very empowered. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know that expression, 96% of people will say that they're above average drivers. <laughs> it's a bit like that. Um, and so you have to say that, actually, if I go and ask your employees, they'll probably give me a different story. Uh, and they always, always do. So take your time to prepare is, is my big, big, big message. Um, how you do that and all the detail of it, I can talk about for hours. I mean, literally. But uh, yeah, just just make sure you um, you take your time, you prepare your, your story for your leadership team, get them on board first, and and then prepare the start preparing the business. And don't even tell your employees. Um, the other bit of advice I would give is if you think that employee ownership might be an ideal thing for you, don't go and talk to your accountant about it. By and large, accountants. Uh, don't really get it now sometimes there are some that do of course there are but I've heard a lot of stories of people um, the accountants see everything in the, in the world of a capital event so they don't understand the idea of a business that will just carry on um, yeah. and not allow your management team to own shares well, that, that's the only way that they tend to think so one of the three things will happen you will get an accountant who is enlightened great um, or you'll get one who doesn't really get it and will talk you out of it. I've had that quite often. Occasionally, you'll get one who will just tell you half-truths and tell you not to do it because they get a bigger fee if you sell. Yeah. Um, that is a minority, but it does happen. Um, but they're not the, the the change you have to make is a cultural change. It's not tax. It's not legal. The legals are really important, but they're not needed at the front. They're needed at the end. So to get through that transition phase, you need to talk to somebody who gets the cultural piece. Yeah, totally. And what what are the uh, benefits in just actually? I, I wouldn't say necessarily after the employee ownership trust is in place, but you've just alluded to some of them there. It seems there's a huge amount of business benefits from just actually going through the process. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the um, the book I wrote about this, the Eternal Business. Uh, when I was writing it, the guy who was doing some editing and helping me kept saying, "You've got to keep telling people this is just good business practice." Um, because helping employees get involved. Now, here's an interesting message, Sean. I, I, I'm really curious to, to get some feedback on this. As we're recording this, we're just going into a potential lockdown of coronavirus. And the boss, if I can just use old-fashioned terminology, is no longer sitting in at work, keeping an eye on his workers. Everybody's working from home. The employees are having to step up. Now, I wonder if this is actually happening. I very strongly suspect it is. Um, and I really hope that this is a sea change where business owners go, do you know what? Actually, my employees are amazing. Why don't I give them far more free reign to run the business? Um, the, the, word, the phrase that we use for this is it's the employee voice. So why don't we give the employee voice amplification? Because um, I hope right at the moment people are saying that it's actually... Uh, a major um, asset to the business that a lot of owners don't allow to come out enough. So that's just a just a little observation. But um, the uh, so going through the process and doing all of these things uh, will will strengthen any business if it wants to continue. If you want to just fatten up your business to sell in eighteen months' time, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not the guy for that. 
Um, but if you do want your business to carry on and particularly you get out of it somehow, then yeah, the things that I do are good for any business. Yeah, I think people people are undoubtedly going to have to make a change, and this might accelerate it. You look at artificial intelligence, a lot of the other changes. You've got things where people who are good salesmen can now, or salespeople can now operate from home. They can sign up with agencies. Um, you know, I've created a number of businesses that are, are basically virtual, in that you can work with absolutely fantastic people at, at good rates with bonuses in place, and everything that they do is tracked. I don't need to worry. I can turn taps on, turn taps off. Um, for me, the world is changing. I think you're going to have a lot of people. You know, you think of the amount of money that's spent on rent. And there are some businesses that just have to have, um, you know, especially obviously the ones on the high street go without saying. But there's so many businesses that for me, you know, you look at the amount that they're paying, the, 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 the length of the lease, amongst other things, kind of that culture. Um, I'm not saying everyone should work from home, by the way. But I'm saying I think this is going to be interesting now with the lessons that people take over out of this challenging period. And it gives them a real opportunity to do loads of different stuff with digital engagement of their staff. Like you say, the flexibility um, and responsibility, giving people that bit more rope, really. And it's difficult, isn't it? Because I think business owners have always been worried about the 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 bad the bad one, you know, the, the bad one or the bad member of staff. But you actually end up damaging all the rest. Yeah. to potentially worry and the other problem is everyone tends to hire quickly and fire slow and that's certainly my view i've always that was the biggest mistake that i ever made is i was in too much of a rush to fill positions um and then i, I even though i knew something was at whatever level in the business even though i knew it was a, a bad move i would try and uh, give you know resuscitation to that really and and stay too long it the wrong way around yeah there's um yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of what you say that, that, that spark thoughts, but uh, here's, a, here's a, a little story. So when I announced to my employees about employee ownership and the plan to sell to the Employee Ownership Trust, um, I explained about how um, the profit is used to pay me out, um, a set amount, an agreed level, and any profit made above that each year is shared with the employees, okay? There's a couple of tax things in there as well, that payments to the owner are capital gains tax-free, shouldn't be the driver for it by the way that that's a nice little bonus it's not the reason you do it yeah. um and payments to the employees up to three thousand six hundred a year are income tax free and uh hand went up and somebody said well how is that profit that comes to the employee oh and by the way when i'm paid out completely all the profit goes to the employees and so somebody put their hand up and said how does it how do we split it up amongst each other and i said well that's kind of down to you um, which is quite a statement in itself. You know, I know of one company yeah. that literally says, well, I know three companies that set each other's salaries. Um, they also agree amongst each other how they're going to share the bonus and who deserves it most. And they agree this takes a lot of work to get to that point, but it can be done. Anyway, uh, the profit is shared in a broadly equitable way. OK, so uh, but you're not allowed to use performance as a criteria when the sharing of the profit happens. So. John Lewis, who's a very well-known employee-owned company, they have a percentage of salary. Another well-known company is Riverford Foods. They just have a flat amount of money. So one of our guys came up to me afterwards and said, I'm not very happy about this. I said, well, what's the issue? And he said, well, um, if we can't use performance, and that means I might be working five, six days a week and staying at the late o'clock, somebody else is just working to time and they get the same payment as me. That's not fair. And I said, you know what? That's a very good point. That doesn't seem very fair. What are you going to do about it? And he kind of looked at me and went, what do you mean? It's your business. It's not mine. Yeah. 
You know, so um, you get past this boss trusting the employee moment, and you're all you realize you're all in it together. As one employee um, of a uh, employee-owned company, the National Self-Building Renovation Center in Swindon, and she gave this great line. She said, "I don't work for the business; I am the business." And that's just brilliant. When you've got employees with that attitude, you know you're you're half the job done, aren't you? Totally. What what would your advice be to employees who are listening to this now that um, you know for what, have a, a sense, shall we say, either because of the rapport that they have with the business owners, or because they've had rumours in the business, or, or even more than rumours that the business owners have been quite honest about wanting to succession plan, shall we say? What would your advice be to employees um, about how they might approach this with um, the, the business owners, the managers? Yeah, it's a tricky one for employees. I've got to be honest, because it's not for them to decide. It's the owner owns the asset. It's for them to decide what what they want to do with it. All you could really do is have a dialogue. Um, if they if the employee ownership is, is of interest, then it might be getting asking the owner to just have a look at it. Maybe um, go along to an employee ownership association meeting. Um, that's actually only four members, although whisper it quietly. If somebody comes by us, we can get them in as a guest. Um, but uh, speak to other employees, do a bit of research, you know. Um, and I think there's also employees, I, I think if I could give employees one tip from my own experience, something around the fact that realise how hard this is for the owner. Um, for many small businesses, especially founders, the business defines them. It is everything who they are. You know, yeah. my business ovation uh, every, all my friends know me as the person that owns Ovation. It's, you know, it, when you meet somebody at home, what do you do for a living? I run a financial planning business. Yeah, I founded it. It, it, it's, it. It's everything about me. Um, and all of my beliefs are in that business and how we deliver financial planning advice around money and happiness, not just around investments, etc. So um, recognize that your owner is going to find this quite hard. Uh to be able to let go and let you take over, but to then go and do something else. So I said earlier on about the first thing we advise owners to do. The second thing I advise them to do is work out what their next thing might be, um, because it's a lot easier to be pulled into something than being pushed away from it. So um, that's you know, that, that's what I would say to employees. By all means, go and have the conversations, but do it with a bit of respect and with a bit of tenderness, because this will not be an easy conversation for a lot of owners to be having. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic advice for business owners because, you know, the amount of, you only have to look at sports stars, but also, you know, more, some of the more famous business owners, but, you know, even at a lower level, um, who stop doing what they normally do as their achievement, if you like, that, as you say, it normally, in a way, defines them, you know, and then all of a sudden they wake up one morning and having the money in the bank doesn't really matter, knowing that the money's going to trickle in doesn't necessarily matter you know if you're not progressing if you're not um doing something that you feel inspired by if you're potentially at a loose end shall we say um it's pretty easy to start slipping in terms of your state i imagine and to probably not be enjoying yourself as much um you, you know you know probably everyone says i want to win the lottery but if you actually look at a lot of the people who win the lottery they actually end up pretty sad don't they so actually yeah. For business owners, would it be fair to say that actually, I had a story that was never go into business unless you know how you're going to get out, unless you know what your exit is. But would it be fair to say actually, it's probably more important to what are you going to do next? Yeah, totally, totally. It's so important. Um, if you are, you know, one minute you are Mr. Blogs of Blogs and Co. 
and next time next day you're just mr blogs and uh preparing your new life is absolutely key so i said earlier on that it takes 18 months two years minimum to get a company ready a lot of that time is the owner working on the owner uh looking at how they can what, what they're going to do next and um there's one person that we work with that when i i say to this owner um you know what are your plans uh you know when are you going to sell and what are your plans? She, she literally she goes like this she has a physical reaction and she's <laughs> body she, language yeah. yeah yeah she's scared she's scared now that just takes time and preparation um, but it's really it's absolutely key that owners do do think about themselves as part of the process and do the owners retain any involvement in it in it chris or or, or did they completely leave the business in your experience or is this something that you you deal with on a company by company basis the, the, the latter of those but uh i think it's fair to say the role of the founder is one of the biggest challenges in the process um owners think it's all about the employees stepping up but as I always point out to them, they have to have some space upon which they can step up to. Yeah. That's that very well, but you know what I mean. Um, so uh, the role of the founder is is a, a really, really key thing. Um, in particular, you have to at least sell 51% of your business to the EOT. It doesn't have to be the whole lot. I retain 30% innovation, for example. Um, so, but 51% is obviously a controlling interest. So this is really all about the transference of control. So if you are an owner, you have to get out of the way. And if you continue as the MD chairman of the board and maybe even one of the trustees, the employees are going to say, well, nothing's changed. And you're going to get none of the positive effect of employee ownership of employees stepping up and getting engaged. So um, you have to prepare the employees in lots of different ways, but getting clarity and them having clarity over what your role will be is also really, really important. Um, one of the lessons we have in our online program and one of the things that we do with owners is we call pathways of control, which is identifying who's going to make what decisions and where. You might have trustees of the trust who are effectively now the shareholders. You've got the board. And even within the board, you've got different roles, chairman, managing director and so forth. You've got a leadership team, possibly. You might even have an employee forum or employee council. Now, who is making what decision and where within each of those bodies? And having that understood clearly by everybody will make the whole process so much smoother. Brilliant. Where, where can people get um, in touch with you, Chris, and get further advice and guidance on this? So there is uh, the book, The Eternal Business, which is available on Amazon with all my other books. Um, they can then just get in touch with me, uh, Chris at theeternalbusiness.org.uk. I think no, it's .com, sorry. <laughs> Chris at theeternalbusiness.com. Uh, just drop me a line. I love talking, particularly to owners. I love just having a 20-minute chat. I can tell within 10 minutes whether this is going to work for them or not. Um, and I will be honest when I say it isn't really the right thing for your business or for you personally, you know. Um, so if anybody wants to get in touch and just just chew the fat around their particular situation, I'm, I'd be delighted to. Oh, thank you. Well, you've been an absolutely magnificent guest again, Chris. Thank you. And, and that's it for this week, everyone. Um, thank you for listening. Please check out uh, www.theeternalbusiness.com where you can stay up to date with developments at the Eternal Business Consultancy. They've got some great blogs uh, on issues around building a sustainable business, news, views, um, a experts like Chris on employee ownership. And there's obviously updates on the online course uh, for owners and employees alike. Um, 
in the meantime, please share and spread the word about the MLC show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please hit us with a five-star review. And remember to check out the products and services at mylegalclub.co.uk. More importantly, please stay well and take care. The Business Services Club is a unique business-to-business brokerage. When you need a service for your business or you want to compare your existing business, get in touch for free and no-obligation quotes. We have created a specialist panel of commercial partners to support your every business need. We will provide you with free and no-obligation quotes via the free-to-access business services club. As an example, you may need EL, PL or professional indemnity insurance quotes, forensic accountants, self-employed bookkeeping, funding, working capital, interest-only lending with no personal guarantees, employment and HR support, web development, training, legal advice or even online marketing. No matter what you and your business require, we will meet your needs. Free up precious time researching and analysing new or existing outsourced partners via our one-stop business solution. See how we can help you and your business via businessservicesclub.co.uk.